Hello world, welcome to another episode of The Deep Dive with Eyal Shai. My guest today is Andy Wei. Hi Andy. Hello, how are you? Great to be here. I'm good and it's great to have you. Uh, well, I can't wait to hear from you what's an idea that's been helping you live well. Well, there's a lot. <laughs> there's actually five specific ideas and uh, that the overarching theme is is to rather than living accident an accidental life uh, living intentionally through the lens of adventure right uh, every single day is the unknown uh, no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow a lot of people struggle with uh, life not necessarily turning out the way they thought it would should or could and so how do we adjust right and so, yeah uh, I speak into that yeah that's awesome um Yeah, so do you want to um, quickly go over the, the five points uh, before telling me a little bit about the maybe like some of the seminal thoughts that uh, made you come up with them? Sure, sure. Um, the five practices that I champion and, and, and it's interesting how they how I came about them, uh, but the five practices are the practice of allowing, Right? Allowing is the catalyst for all change. That's the outcome change. Um, and it's what, what are we allowing and not allowing? What are we resisting? Um, and then and we, can, we'll, we can talk more about that. The second practice is gratitude um, and just taking the time to anchor in all we're grateful for versus all we don't have or all things that aren't. It's, it's our health or our sight or that our heart beats without us having to tell it to, right? So what are we grateful for? <laughs> Third practice is getting uncomfortable. There's a big distinction between our brain's job to keep us safe and alive and comfortable and, and our desires in life, right? What, what makes us happy and has us live a fulfilling life? So there's a practice and a need to get uncomfortable. And the outcome is, you know, the outcome for, grat uh, for gratitude is positivity. Forgot about that one. The outcome for getting uncomfortable is establishing a deeper level of trust in ourselves and others. The fourth practice is exploring the unknown. That outcome is insight, right? It's, it's engaging in uh, curiosity, um, both inside of ourselves and outside of ourselves. And the fifth practice is seeking excitement, right? Who couldn't use a little more fun and happiness and joy in their life? Um, we can expect it when we're practicing the other practices, but it's also important to be intentional about seeking excitement, joy and happiness and fun. Yeah, man, that's, uh, I, I love it in short, uh, really, I, I could really sign off on, on any and all of these. And I really like the framework of, of talking about, um, outcomes and, and that, because that I usually don't hear. Um, yeah, well, I'll let you either, if you want to go through them, uh, well, I, I would love to hear the, maybe if there's any kind of, uh, origin story, um, even in terms of whether it was always your temperament to, to look at these things or was there an event or a process that's kind of led you to really turn your attention to the inner workings of or, you know, the, the background behind the outcomes in life, which are usually not necessarily uh, positive like that. 
Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, that's a great question. And honestly, it doesn't come from a great place. Um, I call this entire exercise giving power and purpose to the pain of my past. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I've always been a very passionately involved father for my only child, my one son, his name is Drew. And my wife and I, uh, you know, when he was uh, in 12, sixth grade, when he was 12 years old, I found myself at the beginning of a six year battle to save his life. Um, he really struggled with anxiety and depression and drug and alcohol abuse. And uh, I had been wow. researching uh, and doing everything I could since the time I knew that I was going to have a son, um, reading all the books and doing everything I could to prepare to be the best father I could. Um, and it didn't matter how much I had prepared. Uh, I alone couldn't save him. And, you know, th we're three years into this and we're four years in. Uh, and I had, I had exhausted myself emotionally and otherwise. Um, and to watch him struggle and suffer just really uh, without being able to help, uh, it really took its toll on me. So I was kind of an empty shell of a man, um, completely just kind of war-torn and dreary from doing everything we could. And so um, it was late one night, right? You know, I say all that to say, but, but <laughs> one night I was watching YouTube and I came across these guys, uh, this video of these guys riding motorcycles in the back country of Colorado and had this amazing drone footage and it was stunning to me. And I'm not a motorcycle guy. I'm a boater uh, from the Southeast coast of the U S and uh, to watch this footage in this video, I was like, it just registered had some sort of visceral reaction in my gut. And ultimately wow. what transpired is I bought a motorcycle a month later and began to ride and dug deep into adventure. And then when Drew got well, uh, he, we won, he, he did overcome all of that. Um, and is doing great. Uh, so then it was, how do I, uh, you know, what was that? And, um, and I spent five years unpacking what that response was to that single video. So I dug deep into adventure. And uh, over these five years, I unpacked and discovered these five practices and these outcomes. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great story. And, you know, I can't say that I relate to uh, going through anything like it. But as a father to one child, yeah, I... I can see why this would be extremely, extremely hard and, um, and trying yeah, to deal with something like that. Uh, yeah. because we obviously wish our children just the best and to see them struggling is to struggle our ourselves. Um, yeah, but that's really cool that you could just come, come across something which just immediately titillated you like that and made you, and made you aware of the need for adventure and, when we first um, exchanged messages, yeah, I was hooked on, on the concept of adventure. I think maybe a year ago, it really rose to my consciousness. Um, just the sense of, yeah, you just have, have to have not to be uh, afraid of, of going out and meeting new things and discover truths, right? And truths can be very uh, unsettling sometimes. And yet, it's so healthy for us to befriend truth, even though, and 
Yeah, I mean, each, each, now every concept that I'm going to bring up is already one of your five practices, but, um, yeah, be uncomfortable until, until you do get comfortable. Um, yeah, so in, in your own life, like I'd love, I'd love to hear, um, how this was shaped in terms of was yeah. there, um, uh, uh, the discovery of these five practices. Did they start dawning on you as you were riding your motorcycle for the first time or? No, you know, that's a great question. And so, um, you know, it, it was a long journey. Um, you know, first I was, we were kind of in year four of this six year battle and I, I got the motorcycle cause I needed to heal. Um, and, uh, and, and I kind of connected with that boyish sense of adventure. So I loved when I first started to ride and my wife didn't like that. I rode a motorcycle, but she loved the way that I came home. Of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but she, you know, like a lot of wives, but, uh, but she did, she was supportive and she knew that I needed something. And, um, you know, and I, I had closed my business. So I was home all the time, you know, building some of the day to day experiences. And so she, she loved the way that I came home. I was invigorated. I was smiling. I was available mm. to do really whatever she wanted to do that day. And so it was typically on a Saturday morning, right? I'd take a, a, a ride for a couple of hours or so and come back. And, and then, you know, I was, it is instilled in me more capacity, uh, just to handle anything. Um, and so when I started to unpack it, um, I noticed that, um, how it helped me really kind of grow, grow stronger for the road ahead. It built some capacity in me. Uh, then I learned through a conversation about experiential learning theory, uh, which I had no, know nothing about. Um, David Kolb, um, and others had, had created that experiential learning theory. Um, I dug into Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. Um, and then I, I really started to deep dive into neuroscience. I was curious about, um, you know, cognitive and behavioral flexibility. I just Googled that and started, mm -hmm. and I found that that was actually a thing. Um, could we become more flexible to this rapidly changing world around us? I had never anticipated that Drew would go through such a challenge. And so how do I pivot and adjust to this experience that I was not prepared for, um, so that I wasn't struggling so much and just surviving and reacting. I wanted to flip the script so that I could respond and thrive and, and adjust so that I could handle things in a stronger, from a stronger perspective. So I dug into neuroscience and, um, and then I, I started to, uh, really deep dive into adventure more and how, and I started to notice how these dots were connecting. Um, and then I really started to get, I got my own coach and got into personal development. Um, and, uh, I started to see these common themes. Um, and then over those five years, it, it became more and more clear as I practiced my own practices, um, and, and dug deeper into these concepts. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, especially. You know, like I, I don't, um, perceive myself as somebody to give parenting advice or anything like that. And unfortunately, you know, being a parent, it always means that you're not going to have enough data to know 
how to be a good parent, even if you figured it out with one kid, like the next kid is going to be a completely different person. You just don't have the the sampling size, right? To actually give advice to other people. Um, But I think if, if there is one that I, that I would confidently give people is that to be a good parent, you must be, um, open to change, right? This is literally what's going to happen. Even if, even if your um, son or daughter are not going through this very, very challenging and rough times, um, they are going to challenge you in every way possible, right? Test your authority, your boundaries, your beliefs. Um, and a lot of the times, the more convinced you are in setting your ways and giving them that, well, that just is going to send them and do the, the complete opposite thing, right? Um, so this ability to, to change and, and shift gears, mental gears, I think is, is, is great. And I'm interested in hearing about the, the dynamic that it created between you and Drew, because ultimately you, what prompted you was his was his um, situation, and so you you practicing your own practice must have been one of these um, causes that caused caused him to to get better eventually. And I wonder if you noticed in real time um, what it does to him, like interacting with a now changed you. Yeah, fair question. And I feel like that might be a better question for Drew, to be honest, right? <laughs> but, but what I, Probably. <laughs> and I, and I try to be very careful because, um, it, it is a personal story and it, it's, it's heavy. Um, so I, I am pretty intentional about sharing like my part of the experience. Mm. You know, we, uh, Christine has her own experience, my wife, and Drew has his own experience. And so, I'm careful not to tell their story for them, but I will say that that he embodied some of that. It wasn't that long ago when he referenced some things that I was modeling or or sharing and how he implemented that into his own life. Um, He did go on to uh, graduate high school a year early. He got into the gym to help him heal. And the next thing you know, he asked if he could engage uh, in this powerlifting tournament. And um, he did. He broke three state records that day. It was it, it was self-trained in this little rural, you know, kind of a gym at his school and uh, in the country. And he went, he broke three state records and he um, was then asked to compete for Team USA uh, nice. in the world championships. He did, and uh, he broke his own three records and a fourth state record, um, and he w- became the strongest 17-year-old uh, in the world in the 220-pound weight class. And so, uh, all nice. self-trained, and um, you know, so I was really proud of him for graduating school early and competing and at a, such a high level, and. Um, and then went on to become a cell tower technician and, and got his own apartment and was traveling uh, at a really young age. And so uh, not that his life isn't doesn't have its own challenges. We all have challenges coming and going. But, um, yeah, I just think that he's uh, wiser and uh, has learned a lot from his experience. And he's still actively practicing how to refine, um, you know, himself as a man. So, um, 
You know, he's always pursuing. So I, I like that. He knows that there is no static. There's life's all figured out. He, he's curiosity, I think, is the the big thing there. Mm, curiosity is huge. And um, yeah, I guess I'll wait patiently until uh, he comes and, do- and does the podcast. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so if we, if we look at things from, from your own perspective, which is, um, yeah, that's fair enough what you said there. I appreciate it. Um, from your own perspective, now you're probably um, a lot of the struggles associated with other people is that other people are very, um, deep and challenging and, you know, they're not the kind of thing that you can easily manipulate like a, a rock outside your door. If the rock is a problem, you move it. Another person has wishes, beliefs, uh, worldviews, and so on, and it's impossible to just get them to do what you want, right? That's a challenge with kids from a very young age. So I assume that um, during the time of, of Drew struggling, that must have been very uh, frustrating, not because you're necessarily mad at the other person, but just it's like you don't know what to say and do to make somebody else better. So from that perspective, um, how was your reaction to some of the old frustrations uh, now that you've implemented some of the practices? Yeah, you know, what comes to mind for me, a uh, great question is, there was a moment um, when I realized that I had to let go of my need to control his outcome, right? Until he chooses his life for himself, it doesn't matter. I can bang my head against the wall all day long, wanting for him and believing in him. Um, it doesn't matter until he begins to fight for his own life and choose his own well-being. Um, and so that was a big lesson, letting go of my need to control the outcome. I think as parents, um, it's really, it's a really hard thing to do because we love our children so much. We see all of the potential, right? And so, and we Mm -hmm. want for them the very best in life. Um, but there's this, I think that what a lot of parents don't realize or fail to pay attention to or think about is that when our children are teenagers, there's kind of a handing off of the baton where we have to begin to kind of loosen our grip a little bit and let the seeds that we have planted in them bear fruit and let them show us that what we've done as parents is good. We have toiled the soil, we have planted good seeds, and then we kind of got to, like a farmer, step back a little bit and let the crop grow, let it bear fruit, mm. and let let the ground show us uh, that the work we've done is good. Um, and so that's the best analogy I have for that experience, and it was a powerful lesson for me. Um, and so, you know, not fixing all of his problems and not, you know, let him turn into a man. You know, me mm-hmm. fixing everything for him or me providing everything for him doesn't help him. And so we, there is a time when they're transitioning uh, into, you know, older teenagers and young adults that we really do need to, and we probably should probably start a little long, a little earlier in their life, not wait so long, but um, like I did. But um, I think that's a big takeaway right there for sure. 
is letting him show up for himself and, and for the world around him. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I agree there on that point. I think it's, yeah, if, if we were to be the kind of, uh, parents that, you know, with just, just might and, and no really dialogue or anything, try to shape the way our children are going to be, we're probably going to, uh, create some sort of, um, monster you know just somebody who's really operates out of fear or something like that which is just i don't think is going to is going to give us any satisfaction for us uh growing up for sure um yeah what about um other areas in in your life that have kind of been impact oh i wanted to i wanted to share something from uh, my life also about uh parenting just so you don't feel like it's all you, like I'm happy That's to right, share. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, one example with something like it, like my daughter is just four, right? But um, one day she just came to me and said she uh, she believes in God now. And, um, you know, I, I didn't grow up religious. Like I, I don't view uh, the concept as particularly helpful for a good life. I don't chastise anyone for having it or i don't have beef with anybody who's who has faith or anything like that um but i noticed that um it freaked me out a little bit because in israel there's a lot of religious extremism as well right so what popped in my mind is just the worst kind of 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 examples of like oh people in the name of god they murder they kill you know and all and all these crazy things and then a moment later a moment later when i stayed with this and with this feeling of being uncomfortable i realized there are plenty of people who are religious who i love deeply and are decent human beings and that even more importantly if i were to be the kind of person who just reacts with some sort of like oh no there isn't you know it's like oh no there isn't then what am I doing? I'm just basically now either I'm going to freak her out into like not talking to me about things later on, uh, or I'm going to um, convince her, but beat the critical thinking faculty out of her, or I'm going to, um, yeah, basically make her just take the very other side of things and be vocal about it and, and confrontational, right? So none of these options is, is very good. And I figured out that I can just ask her a few questions about it, but ultimately I'm going to embody a spirit of tolerance and acceptance and of, you know, that's not that's not that is not going to be something that's ever going to be an issue between us right and whatever you want to believe you want to be she's before like i said so yeah <laughs> but I was, obviously i was kind of laughing about that too i was like she's four <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. but i'm i'm thinking ahead yeah um, i get that that's awesome <laughs> I yeah see that. so so that was that was uh that was just an instance in my life where I really connected with what you're saying about really in, in relationships, staying where it's uncomfortable, listening to the other person, taking them seriously, knowing that they're not doing things to spite you right. um 
appreciating the fact that they're honest with you because they could be hiding stuff from you, right? And all these things are going to be uncomfortable. But if you stay there and you stay real, it's probably going to end in a hug. And from there, a new path forward is going to kind of chart itself. I absolutely love that. There's a, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I, I can see how we could all benefit from that, um, that insight of being patient, you know, let, let our children, um, be curious. She's four, <laughs> she's four, right. Yeah. But you know, even at 12, right. Let's, let's triple that. Um, it, let critical thinking you referenced and uh, that's right let let's let people not not even just our children but just people yeah let them be curious without reacting or judging too quickly let's practice some patience um and some understanding and acceptance uh i, I love what you just shared i think that's uh there's a lot of love in that and a lot of wisdom in it um i think it's smart love that yeah, thanks. Um, it's for you. I'm interested if you um, ever approach people and from your work that you got to do with people, I really do see a lot of benefit in keeping in mind the fact that life is an adventure. It's not an ordeal, right? For a lot of us, I think it's an ordeal. If you frame things with like, here's a set of rules that you have to follow for the rest of your, it can feel like an ordeal because I'm just trying to be a good person by following these rules or not. And I think we could really benefit from really em embodying the, the understanding that life is an adventure and there is a lot to be explored. So um, what could be a way to tease people in just the right way so that they, um, to start this um, process of becoming less ossified and, and more flexible? Yeah, I, I, you know, so I call um, people who practice living adventurously adventuremen, whether they're men or women, they're adventuremen, all right? And you live adventurously mm -hmm. daily as a matter of practice when you, and, and you practice these five practices. Um, you know, it, it's so true that there is, a, there's no figuring things out. Like I have it all figured out. Nobody ever has it all figured out, ever. Um, and, and that's a humbling thought. And so I think that, you know, when in this world, at least in the U.S., I know that so many people live in this constant state of comparison and are really critical of themselves and others. And so, you know, the first two practices are about positioning the mind and heart, right? Um, every single day is the unknown. And so when we you know, first think about what we're allowing and not allowing. Um, some of that's really in reference to our past. Um, a lot of people live out of their past from these old stories from their childhood, these old relationships with their parents. Or, you know, for me, the story that I made up was that I wasn't good enough. I repeated seventh grade and I'll never forget watching my seventh grade, the first seventh grade year, my friends walk. Then we were all hanging out talking in the hallway, the bell rung, and they're going to the eighth grade part of the wing, and I got to go back to seventh grade. And in that moment, mm -hmm. I think I was 12, um, 
you know, or I was 12 or 13. And in that moment, uh, I made up the story that I wasn't good enough. Uh, I was embarrassed. And uh, it was probably the best thing for me. I didn't fail seventh grade. Um, My parents just held me back and they thought it was the best thing for me. I wasn't excelling by any means. Uh, I was Mm -hmm. one of those students that didn't apply themselselves. You know, it's, it's what are we allowing ourselves to believe? What are we uh, resisting? Um, every single day is the unknown. Um, let's allow the blessing of the day to show up. Let's allow things, um, allow ourselves not to have it all figured out and embrace that unknown. What opportunities are available for me today um, to contribute, to receive, um, and, and that's a big one right there, just in the uh, allowing practice alone. And, and I have a whole slew of questions around you know, that practice alone. Um, gratitudes, positivity, uh, how much time are we spending connected to, you know, what we're grateful for and all we have? Um, that just brings so much more positivity into our life when we take the time to, to do that. And I could go on. Is that the line of thinking you were, you were talking about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm very interested in the in the first steps that each of us could take to 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 begin this this shift in thinking that um that really informs our, our actions, right? Um yeah. for some people it's very understandable that their default is I think for a lot of people with especially childhood trauma and things like that, it's it's very understandable that uh, basically, what we now say, it's uncertain, it's a call for adventure to them. It's like, well, I'm out here with, you know, out in the middle of the ocean and then no safety, right? No land in sight. So I can completely understand where people are coming from. Um, and also, like, couple that with the tendency I mentioned of society to raise um, or not not to raise uncurious children but to beat the curiosity out of them let's say um so in that sense it's good that you didn't apply yourself in school by the way um yeah i'm a fellow unapplied um, <laughs> student yeah I'm, I'm like the dude in the big lebowski you know yeah, yeah. i uh, <laughs> occupied various various administration buildings um, <laughs> yeah um so yeah I'm, I'm very interested in that in that it has to be gentle. It, you can't freak people out and be like, what you now, until now, call insecurity is actually a great call for adventure, right? So I'm interested in the, in the, in the first few steps of actually getting out of that crippling uh, mindset of like everything is unsafe and, uh, and creating, um, and you said also like uh, trust, right? Like have have the trust in yourself that you're going to put yourself in an unknown situation, be comfortable with the unknown and actually get out of it. Like that's not to be taken for granted. Um, is there is there any particular practice to to learn that about yourself as a person that you can oh, yeah. try something new and and uh, and be good enough to deal with it? Yeah, 100 um... percent. You know, and it's not just um, this thing that I made up. It's actually anchored in neuroscience. Um, you don't have to climb Mount Everest or sail solo around the world to have an, an experience, right? 
I mean, uh, every single day is the unknown. And so, you know, our brain's job is to keep us comfortable. And I've said those things, but yeah, so how do we flip the script? How do we begin to live adventurously so that we can live a happier, more fulfilling life? One of the things that, you know, we, we really can do is that it's, it's get uncomfortable and you always want to be uncomfortable. Um, to a degree, there are these practices and it can be as simple as for me, I took on a challenge and it required me to be out in the cold. I'm not a cold weather guy. Mm -hmm. um, and I wound up on this 10 week challenge and it started at the end of January where it's when it's the most cold here where I live. And I wound up and I had to exercise every single day for 10 weeks outside one of my exercises and I had to do two and these are a minimum of 45 minutes and I wound up taking that on and it was highly uncomfortable. Sometimes the wind chill was negative 20, negative uh, wow. 20, negative 10. And I'm outside doing four miles in the hills alone. Um, and one of the, one of, and I remember doing things like just roaring in the middle of the woods by myself. Um, and I started to notice, you know, I, I went out on my bike and I'm out in the country and the sun's starting to set and the bike breaks, right? And I'm alone and I don't have any cell coverage. I'm in the country and my, my bike, I smell a, a little electrical burn and I don't know what, I don't know anything about motors or motorcycles. And, I share some of these things because you can do it from just turning the shower on cold to doing any, anything that's in alignment with your life vision or spiritual vision. That's the best way to go about this practice is aligning the ways that you get uncomfortable with the vision you have for your life. And then it, it propels you forward. Cause one of the, what happens when we take on these challenges and practice getting uncomfortable as a matter of practice daily, in any little way that we can think of, it establishes a deeper level of trust in ourselves and others and, and our confidence begins to really blossom. And when we have greater confidence, we're just more willing to take on more things uh, that help us to grow. And, and every time we do it, we, we have the opportunity, we instilled in ourselves and in our day, the opportunity to win. Right. Like, look what I just did. I just took on that challenge and I made it like I can do this. And as the challenges and as the, um, you know, as the, the get un uncomfortable continues, we just can't help but to that is the, the byproduct. That's the outcome. We just continue to get more and more confident and, um, and just establish such a deep level of trust in ourselves and our ability that we will be OK. And we learn and grow exponentially. Yeah, that's awesome. It's interesting that, um, you know, for me, I, I told you before, I'm a, I'm a tour guide and every time I'm faced with uh, going to work, which could be days on end, like outside of the house with people I haven't met yet, right? So I have it in my calendar. Oh, I'm meeting the, the freedmen's next or something, but you don't know who's, who's coming, who's when, and it is, um, no matter what it, it, you get anxious, like, and, and the trick is to really be able to be anxious in a good way, not a bad way. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Like this dynamic is, is so interesting. And I 
can already tell, you know, that the day I'm not going to be anxious before it is probably something that like I must have already given up on it um, from the get go or something like that. Um, And every time I'm faced with this challenge, it's like this is undoubtedly making me nervous, you know, but continuing with it and staying with it every time until the moment they come off the plane and of course, they're people and they're very nice because it's their vacation. Like, um, But it's very interesting that this dynamic keeps happening. It's not going away. You know, I'm always going to be very, very excited, um, nervous, anxious. Um, and every time I do feel rewarded for, um, yeah, just looking at this kind of barrier and and keeping and keep going anyway like through it i was thinking about that that has to be a regular part of your experience when you're working i'm so glad you brought that up because i can't imagine you doing what you do meeting so many new people from all over the world not only through as a guide but also as a host of the show you know you don't know Mm -hmm. you don't know you don't know how Who's, what's this person yeah. going to be like? What are these people going to be like? Um, so have you noticed uh, over time um, a deeper level of confidence and trust in yourself and in the work that you do? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's uh, it's nearly impossible not to do it. I think that if I didn't feel so good about it, um, I mean, guiding tours specifically and probably doing podcasts too is... Um, yeah, there's a strong people component to it. So yeah. uh, people who just don't, I think it's it could be draining for a lot of people um, if they don't get what it is. For me, I'm just so genuinely interested in uh, people's psyches and I, I my soul craves uh, human bonding so much yeah. that it's... Um, it turns out to be almost uh, natural to me, you know, and... I wonder a lot about it um, for, for some people. I, I can't even say that I read any theoretical books on how to do it, but uh, I think it's a combination of being comfortable with yourself. And, and that means not being super, super confident that you're very good. No, the, uh, the opposite. But be comfortable with the idea that there is no reason why you should suck at anything. Right, it's like um, as a as a baseline kind of attitude, and then and then listening, like really taking in, which is something that's I think implied in what you're saying, is really taking in things and seeing situations for what they are, and not being quick to judge situation is like, oh, I already know that, so I'm going with my default way of acting into this. You know, I already know what I'm going to do. No, you you need to be very, very, very flexible. I mean, imagine a tour guide that's just there and he already knows or she already knows what exactly what uh, information they're going to convey and what what they they're going to tell these people about this site or something like that. They're going to be completely out of tune with those people, you know. So there's a lot of listening and a lot of not trying to um, cater your own needs, right? But 
trusting in the fact that if the relationship flourishes, you flourish, right? Yeah, what I'm hearing is connection, right? This uh, with self and with others. Um, and it's absolutely a bedrock aspect of living adventurously. Um, you know, when, when you, oh, I know exactly how this is all going to go. If you were to, to live like that, like, I know how this is all going to go. Um, and you got it all figured out. Golly, man, you're really robbing yourself of some of the deepest <laughs> joys of life, mm. right? The surprising and the exciting and the, of just, and that doesn't mean grandeur. That can mean simplicity. That mm. can come in the form of the most simple little moments um, of a specific sunrise or a specific sunset or a little scene of watching a mom or a, or a dad with their child having a moment of just kind of simple pleasure, simple joy and a sweet little gesture or something. Like when, when you slow down enough to pay attention to this fast moving world, uh, an ever changing world, um, and, and kind of step away from the technology and all the demands on our attention. Yeah. There there's, it's exciting to see some of these little blessings show up in life that are surprises. Uh, and I, I would look at them as gifts. There's opportunities all over the place. Um, I've definitely noticed a change in myself. I used to hate traffic. Mm -hmm. I felt like this, the old story I had, my relationship to traffic was, um, traffic's awful. Um, if I'm smart, why would I allow myself to, I don't, I work from home. I don't need to go out and be in traffic. So the fact that I allowed myself to be in traffic means I must be stupid because no one in their right mind would want <laughs> to, if they could help it, be in traffic. Right. And so I had this whole story <laughs> about traffic and I would get so kind of frustrated. Um, and now I'm able to look at all contrast and traffic's one example. And I refer to any undesired experience, anything that's not what you had anticipated or wanted or desired as contrast and traffic mm -hmm. was contrast. And so it's a single opportunity for me to notice the contrast and then use it to serve my greater good. How do I use traffic to help me to grow? Well, traffic for me is an opportunity to learn patience. And so I practice, I literally, I, I get it. I find myself in traffic sometimes and I have a default behavior and I have to go, Oh, wait a second. Patience. Ah. <laughs> I get to practice yeah. right now. Thank you for the opportunity to practice patience. Totally shifts my yeah. experience. Yeah, definitely. I, I really like it. You know, it's uh, when, um, like we have in Israel, not exactly uh, moles, but uh, basically the same kind of animal that lives underground. And um, when they hit a rock, like digging underground, they don't just keep butting heads against it. They find a way around it and um yeah that's the kind of thinking that would make you not just dwell on the fact that you're in traffic even though it shouldn't be a problem now that you know my podcast you could just put it in your ears um, <laughs> that's right <laughs> um, but yeah i like better. it yeah yeah, yeah. 
now you'll want to stay in traffic all day. Um, but um, yeah, just taking it in a, in a good place. I think that's a, that's an attitude that's, that's obviously it's, it's just something that's more foundational, you know, and it's, 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 it's an attitude, right? An attitude become, uh, comes before the action which is taken and, um, yeah, really kind of being, um, grateful for, for trying times, which is actually another kind of thought that they had. Do you think that any kind of, um, finding a, a, a good way of being or achieving well-being, do you think it's actually necessary to go through some rough times? Sometimes it, it really seems that the best insights come from, you know, having hit some sort of rock bottom or, or something like that. You know, uh, fair question. I, I don't, everybody, everybody has a, a tough period in their life, a tough season. Um, I, I don't care how, I mean, if you look at, you could look at anywhere around the world, the people, the people that you read about, the people that you watch, the people that you admire or respect the most, we're not reading about them or watching them or we don't admire them because their life was perfect. Mm -hmm. And then they achieve some level of accomplishment to the point that we're reading about them or watching them or listening to them, right? Everybody has gone through a something, but no matter what that something is. Um, and so I think it's just part of the human experience and, um, and it's varying degrees. You know, my, my wife and I bought this house that we live in now. We I remember when we first came into the area, um, when we were looking for houses and, and I was mesmerized or not mesmerized, but I was fascinated by some of the architecture. I was like, man, look at this house. These, these are stunning. This is beautiful. My wife, she was not impressed at all. She was scared for their own well-being. She's like, I sure hope they can afford this. Wow. <laughs> Two totally different <laughs> perspectives. You know, yeah. I, I'm sitting here looking at the house like, wow, look at these people. No, it's just a house. And hers was, yeah, a lot of people overspend. And then they wind up in this financial stressful financially stressful situation and what's the number one cause of divorce in the, in the United States financial stress. Hmm. And so she gets concerned because people kind of overspend trying to live up to these ideas that aren't true at all. You don't, you don't know somebody's well-being or, or means or so that kind of goes back to that comparison. Uh, but I do think that, Going back to the other point, the, the challenge is it's part of the hero's journey when we are forced to kind of take a moment and reflect. In neuroscience, they even talk about that, where it's really critical to take the time to reflect on an experience, any experience, to extrapolate the value of that experience so that we can carry mm. that learning forward. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um... Yeah, for me, I, I try to remember also that the, what's that? I don't know if everything I just said made sense together, but <laughs> I kind of went off on a little tangent, but. 
No, no, that's, 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 I, I understood it. So I think, yeah. uh, listeners will too. Yeah. I, I try to remember that, you know, a lot of the things that we, um, view as almost facts about our life trajectory and thinking that the hero's journey is, is universal completely. Like it's universal if you look at the present and the past, but I try to make myself remember that if we collectively create a better culture of um, educating children and really making sure that from a young age, they have this faculty of critical thinking and things like that, then they might not actually need that big um, crisis that, you know, mo a lot of us need this big crisis in order to come out of, of this something of, whatever we've been, we've been like, um, acculturated or something like that, look around us and ask, you know, what the hell have I been doing? Right. This is kind of a common trope that somebody has a near death experience and then goes on a, a yeah. new path or something. Uh, but that probably happens because, um, uh, of our culture, right? It's not actually a law of physics or a law of psychology that this is how it should be. And I think it's all the more reason to, to pay more attention about what kind of kids we're raising because we could probably just raise adventurous, um, kids and then adolescents and then adults without having to go through the whole period of, of you not being so. Yeah. I mean, um, what I'm saying yes to is I agree that it doesn't have to be this huge experience. I have friends yes. that have literally sailed around the world multiple times over. Um, that's a big experience. Another friend yes. of mine is the holds the world record for being the oldest man to climb the, what are they? The seven summits summits, uh -huh. right? the tallest mountains in the world. He's the oldest wow. person on the planet to have done that. And I'm like, wow, that those are huge experiences. Um, my sister, for one, I, I'm one of six um, and growing up, the six of us. And one of my sisters, she's like, I, I don't have any big kind of traumatic, dramatic experience. She, she doesn't. She's never been a big drinker or partier. She went to school. She, you know, has a pretty healthy, nice life. She doesn't have some big crazy experience. Um, and I don't think you have to, to your point. Um, the peaks and the valleys don't have to be super high and super low. I tell my son that all the time we want, mm. <laughs> yeah, we want shorter valleys and higher valleys. And we want taller peaks and longer peaks. <laughs> so let's, mm -hmm. you know, let's just have a, a nice, uh, and there's a way to go about doing that. So, uh, yeah, I don't think you have to have a huge dramatic experience to still have a powerful experience. Yeah. And also something you, you said before, um, struck me as wise, which is, you know, adventures or living time for adventure doesn't mean that you do something grandiose, uh, necessarily, uh, because actually if you just leave a lot of free time to spend time with your children and family and loved ones, 
if you actually describe those days to people on the outside, you would be just like, oh, yeah, you know, I was a homebody and we just spent the day together. Sounds like uneventful, nothing to write a book about. But for you in there with your uh, family actually having the time to create the bond and having the time to actually hear your um, child thinking a lot aloud coming with uh, coming up with new thoughts for themselves, which is, you know, just an adorable experience of just trying to uh, see or beginning to see their worldview kind of forming from all the uh, syntheses of, of understandings that they have thus far. Uh, this is just great. And it's an adventure in its own way, an adventure which you would not be able to experience if you are way too caught up in in searching for security in um you know maybe maxing the number of hours you can work for money or something like that yeah there there's a lot there for me um when i think about the research that i did in preparing as a father one of the things that was a a, a reoccurring theme uh, was that these men, they had one regret and they'd get into their, you know, mid fifties and sixties and they re retired. And it's, the book was called wisdom of our fathers, but I saw it in a lot of books that people reach a certain age and then they kind of look back and they, you know, where did the time go? And I wish I would have, could have, should have. And nine times out of 10, <laughs> the father and I'm a father, so I always speak from a father's perspective. I'm not a mom, but they had, one, they had one main regret, and that's instead of working so hard to pursue their professional endeavors, regardless of the fact of what that's anchored in, um, industrial revolution going on and on about being a great provider for their family, regardless, their number one regret was, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have mm -hmm. spent more time with my kids. And when I think about, you know, where did the time go in the neuroscience research I did, uh, they literally speak specifically to that, but they need to be intentional. The need to engage time is literally passing you by your life is passing before you when you're living this accidental life, when you're not intentional about how you're spending your time. My wife mm -hmm. and I remember in St. Louis during COVID, we got really intentional about just exploring outside. And we discovered and in, in, you know, all of the parks around us, we were intentional about going into different areas of town to and walking around. We did these kind of walkabouts with another couple and we would try different food and we would go explore different communities. And we just learned a lot from that. We'd go explore new parks and go on hikes with our dog um, just to kind of, and, and we learned a lot from it. We didn't, you know, there's what we know. There's what we know we don't know. And then there's an entire mm -hmm. world of what we don't know that we don't know. And we all have yeah. these blind spots. And one of the ways around that to enrich your life um, that I found and, and, is, is to be intentional and engage and, and you can just go outside of your door and start to have a more full, rich experience uh, when you just practice being curious. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's high time that we actually explicitly mention uh, living intentionally, which you mentioned as the as the theme of the five practices. So, I mean, if one is about to actually um, intend to live intentionally, how how should we go about it? Well, so the the fourth practice is exploring the unknown, right? And so, as we kind of in a beautiful way, I think, as we kind of move through these practices, through our conversation, um, it seems to be kind of a natural evolution here. But, um, you know, one of them is to practice curiosity, both inside of yourself and outside of yourself. So exploring the unknown. And then always, I'm going to reference all of these practices begin in my mind, and this is the work I do with clients. Um, is you start with that spiritual vision or that life vision. You know, what, what do you want your life to look like? And getting very, very specific, as mm. clear as you can be, right? What does your day look like? What does it smell like? What are you doing? If you're married, what's your spouse doing or partner doing? Where are you living? What's it look like? What does it feel like? What's it sound like? With clarity, um, now you can, and then, and then what you do is you align your actions in support of that vision. And you can practice exploring the unknown in alignment with that vision. Mm. And so think of ways that you can practice exploring the unknown, right? So I didn't know anything about, uh, so I hired a coach and I, I started to really learn and be trained in things that I knew nothing about. Um, I dug into neuroscience and I knew I was trained in things I never knew anything about. Um, and I'll share a story with you too. Can I share a quick story? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll share a quick story. Cause this is uh, it highlights the point of exploring the unknown in eighth grade. Somehow I was convinced to join the school choir and I was a you know popular kid and played sports. The last thing I wanted to do was sing in front of my peers as a you know thirteen year old or however old <laughs> I was, right? Um, in middle school, just shatter your public image. Right, right. <laughs> Not something I wanted to do, and I was convinced to do it. And sure enough, you know, okay, fine, I'll be a wallflower and I'll hang out in the back row of the choir and I'll sing along and move my mouth with everybody else. No, that's not what Miss Lanier had in store for me. She <laughs> selected me and Jenny Katz to sing a love ballad duet. And now, and for the school play, right? So this is going to be all of my peers, their parents, grandparents. It felt like all of Savannah showed up. Well, <laughs> I refused to practice leading up to the big play. And it's the last practice I did. I knew my lines. And I had to sing it at practice. And then the night comes. That's the only time I sang it out loud in front of anyone else was the one practice. The night of the big play, I don't know. There's hundreds of people there, maybe four or 500 or more. Um, the whole kind of gymnasium. And uh, I've got gray pants, a pink shirt, gray vest. It's time, our time to sing our love ballad. And Jenny could sing. She was in the, like the big repertory theater and she did big plays and she could, she was talented. Andy, not so much. And <laughs> the lights go out completely. 
there's two spotlights, one on Jenny and one on me that pop on. And you can kind of hear them, right? Boom! In my mind, uh-huh. the, the big spotlights turning on. And we got to sing this love ballad. And I'll do it. It's this little bit, right? I used to think you were perfect, gentle and sweet and demure. But now I'm not so sure. Now I'm not so sure. Right? That, like, that was the, my bit. And, and it goes, <laughs> right. And I, I was soaking wet. I mean, thank you. I was soaking wet, drenched <laughs> in sweat. I felt like I sang terribly. It was awful. And that day, Ginny was great. And that day, that night, I was like, I'm never speaking in or singing or speaking in front of anyone ever again. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, I was mortified. Sure enough, you know, w- what do I do now for a living? Right. Yeah, I was going to say, like, clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But some of that was, you know, it, was, it wasn't that long ago when my wife asked me what I wanted for Christmas. And I was starting to unpack adventure and why it was something that registered in my mind, in my heart, in my gut. And I told her I was fine. I'm fine. I don't need anything. And then she asked again, I don't need anything for Christmas. She asked again. I don't even think for Christmas. Finally, I said, how about singing lessons? And it wasn't because I wanted to be a good singer. Mm-hmm. It's, it was totally uncomfortable. But I wanted to like give voice to this thing in me. And so in a pursuit of getting really uncomfortable and exploring the unknown, right? I, I kind of like had to give birth to this message and this voice that I had uh, and this heart that I had for this topic. And, um, and I literally took singing lessons to do it, not again, to be a good singer, but to just connect, uh, with this voice and this message inside of me. And that was very, very uncomfortable. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you've given me an idea because I was just talking with my wife about, well, you know, what course should I take? Like, I feel like being enriched in some way. That could really be it. I always enjoyed singing. I don't, I'm not musical or anything but it it does bring me joy to sing along with things and i have the kind of voice also which i think that if it is to sound good it means for me to actually let it all out and if i let it all out yeah it's like more than just my neighbors are going to hear me so it's always kind of interesting but there's a part of me that does want to let it all out and be heard from a mile away if that's that's what's necessary. So I'll, I'll definitely take that into consideration. <laughs> it, it's so important. Um, you know, this, I remember, I don't know if you remember that old movie with Robin Williams, it was called Dead Poets Society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And he talked about this um, um, barbaric yawp in the movie. And he has mm-hmm. the boy stand on the desk and I let out this barbaric yawp or something. I think that's the right scene. Uh, but he talks about this barbaric yawp and there is something to this idea of roaring or singing, mm-hmm. like really letting it out, whatever that mm-hmm. is, it could just be a barbaric yawp to kind of get outside of our skin and just, it's a freeing experience uh, where you can really let it loose. Um, I've always had the utmost respect for artists, musicians, singers, I'm like, man, they're really putting it all out there. Um, mm-hmm. And there's something about that that's a beautiful ex- exercise and gift. 
and, and we can all do at least some version, right? And that's the big thing is just do a version. Begin with a version of what it is that you want to do or learn about or however you want to grow or what you want to step into. Begin with a version and, um, and get outside of your own skin, maybe get outside of your, yourself a little bit. That's what I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I like it. And I'm, I'm going to take something else, which is really creating uh, a vision for what you want your life to look like. Because honestly, a lot of times I've been uh, wary of that because I think that for some people, they do have the kind of very um, salient image in in their own mind of what it means to be happy. And then every time that life doesn't go their way because it's uncomfortable and unknowable, um, they're basically um, chronically bummed out by what life has to offer. And I try to be a lot of like, oh, just take as it comes. But it's interesting that you are actually um, encouraging people to, to, to have the kind of um, a vision. And that's something that I should, I should probably get to work with, with my wife on. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I can tell from everything that we've discussed that it's okay if you end up there and then already you see the need in coming up with another thing, right? But the point is to have a clear vision, intentionally go on an adventure and then see how it feels when you get there, you know, and you're very likely to, to feel like you need then another thing like it but go with it and try it and do your best. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that's the, like, you're, you're already on your adventure. You're, we're all, if you're alive, you're on your own adventure. Whether you choose to look at life through that kind of lens or not, you're on it because you only have one of them. <laughs> and if you're here, <laughs> you have a purpose or you would not be here. There's a reason you're here. Um, and so I, I, and you know, that idea of collaborating with your wife to, to paint a picture of really what you want it to look like, uh, there is no doubt that when you practice these practices, you know, what's exciting, seek excitement. You know, yes, it's important to do that proactively and be intentional about making sure that you're laughing and doing something that stirs your soul a little bit, stirs your energy and gets you maybe a little excited. Do that on purpose. But also, you know, when you're like the fourth practice, explore the unknown, the gift of the outcome is the gift of insight. And what I've found when you're practicing these practices daily and you're practicing curiosity and your actions are aligned with that vision, the insights you get are perfect. They're exactly the insight that supports some question that you have in the work you're doing or in the life you're living. Um, that insight is going to be something that's perfectly timed and placed and, or, or it's a beautiful notion that you, ah, that's fantastic. That pertains to something. It's going to be a relevant insight, not uh, just, you know, that's, it's not going to be nothing for nothing. Right. So those insights are perfectly, perfectly support what you're up to. And for that reason, and, and, and you can count on it. It's every single day. It's all the time. And, and you don't know when. And it can be as simple as it can be super simple, but 
you'll know it when you get that insight. You'll be like, ah, if you're paying attention, the day can go by and you won't notice anything. But if you're intentional, mm -hmm. you get the insight and you're like, ah, there's my daily insight. Hey, thanks. And it's, and it's a beautiful kind of symbiotic relationship with your, or, you know, with your life. You're, you're in a relationship with your higher power, universe, God, uh, and it's a beautiful dance. Definitely worthy yeah, of being excited I, about. Yeah. I, I, I really like it. So there's definitely a lot I'm going to, to take from here and, um, uh, from this conversation. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting by now, like this podcast, which is something I really, I had no idea that this is, was going to come up as much in different conversations, but like a very, very strong and present theme, um, that comes up in uh, from conversations about living well is, uh, is, is the unknown and how to and how to deal with it and ultimately how to how to embrace the fact that not everything is known and um and yeah give space to serendipity rather than focus on on not being uh, secure which is really really interesting considering the fact that you know we uh, well you grew up in savannah but us as a species we grew up on the savannah and um the unknown was really connected with insecurity and it's just the kind of mental evolution that all of humanity has to to switch to embracing uncertainty rather than rather than fearing the unknown that's i think the difference between survival between surviving and thriving and it's very very interesting i had no idea this was going to happen or come up as a theme of this podcast but it's out of 80 something episodes, this has to be the seventh or eighth where, where the unknown is an explicit part of the content, right? Not to mention all the other ones where you can find it implied. I, I can't even imagine, um, you know, 80 plus conversations. That being a theme is fantastic. What else have you found? So, 80 something conversations. You've been doing this for a little while now. Um, what are the surprises that have shown up for you since you've started this podcast and all these conversations with all these different people? Yeah, I think, I think that's a, that's a very salient one. Like that's number one that I noticed that's undeniable. Um, and the, the other ones are, I think something which I also mentioned in passing, you know, so obviously growing up in a culture that really funnels us in one direction so as to make us needing that, that big, you know, being almost um, blindsided by something and then deciding to take on another route to wake up, right? That's that's very common too. That's like the fact that we need to be, to be hit with something in order to turn our attention and then wake up and then chase living well, instead of living as I was told or something like that. Um, so that's another huge one. And yeah, there, there, there are many more themes like critical thinking being, being able to intuition, intuition is a huge one, self-trust, um, intuition, be able to really feel something and go with it rather than consult some book or some, somebody who's supposedly 
uh, higher up in the hierarchy or something like that. That is a recipe for disaster to constantly turn to authority figures and ask them how you should act or something like that. Right. That's another one. So these are, these are a, a, a few of the, the themes that, um, yeah, I don't know if I would call them surprises, a few of them, but, um, they're definitely present. You know, that <laughs> that's a lot of what transpired for me. I, I think that you touched on a number of great, at least three great points that I think are fantastic. Um, one of the reasons why I chose the word practices specifically is that what I found was that I kept on looking outside of myself for guidance or solutions to these challenges or problems that I was having. And I, I kept mm -hmm. on looking outside of myself and looking outside of myself. But you know, finally, one day, what I, what I found is that everything that I need is already inside of me. And that, that getting uncomfortable outcome, establishing a deeper level of trust in myself. And mm. because I can trust myself deeper, I can then trust others. But you know, trusting ourselves is, uh, I feel like a big issue. We have a lot of, I think a lot of people have a lot of insecurity um, and that, and they live out of that insecurity uh, versus when we do the work to establish a deeper level of trust in ourselves, we know we'll be okay. Um, we can really take things on uh, with more intentionality, um, stepping outside of the norm um, and doing things that, you know, really will excite us and fulfill us. And, um, you know, wake up our brain. Like it's a fulfilling, it, it really kind of, uh, helps us to just, like, again, just be fulfilled. Uh, but we have to first be willing to establish, do the work to establish a deeper level of trust in ourselves. Uh, and then from there we can really, I, I think the practices all go together really nicely, but, uh, and they are all directly connected, but um, looking outside of ourselves, when we when we turn to an authority, when we turn outside of ourselves, man, we we show up fully loaded with expectation, don't we? <laughs> right? If, if we, mm. I, I remember investing uh, a chunk of money in this speaker training workshop, and I left disappointed a little bit. Um, I mean, it was great, but. I remember thinking, man, I paid him $5,000 for this three-day workshop. I wasn't alone in that room. I'm sitting there going, that guy just made like three quarters of a million dollars in three days. And there was nothing wow. profound shared. Mm. Right? There was no huge profound, right? But I showed up fully loaded with expectation that I was going to learn and all this stuff. And it was going to be really, and how often do we do that as people? where we put all this expectation on others only to be let down and disappointed um, when, and it's no fair to the people that we're putting all the expectation on. Yeah. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. They show up fully cocked and loaded with all this expectation. They, they're never going to, they're going to fail us before we even showed up. You yeah. know, it, well, this, this, you know, this takes me right back to, to parenthood. Um, just the idea, like we, my wife and I read very few, uh, no, actually no books or articles or, or on parenting almost. And I, 
I won't say I say it proudly because it's not like it was a thing for us that we, a decision or anything like that. But I think that's a particularly good uh, field to talk about when it's about your instincts, because I think that the best parent is not characterized by the actions they're taking. It's You can't characterize a parent by the actions that they're taking. It's about spending as much time, like not shying away from spending time with your children and really leaning into acting with with intuition because any kind of outsourcing that you do to this is going, and any article is going to be about a parent who isn't you and about their child who isn't your child, you know? And it's almost yeah. like, what's the point, you know? So um, I think that's a, that's a particularly good field to, to actually experience and, and practice that. Um, yeah, so this has been amazing, Andy. I'm I'm really grateful for for all your insights, and I really resonate with your ideas. And I'm happy to have come across a kindred soul. Um, yeah. yeah, if there's anything else you you'd like to to add, please go for it. And then, of course, any kind of contact details and website and where people can find your thoughts online. Sure. Well, I, I'm very grateful to have met you as well and to have gotten to uh, be on the show and, and have this conversation. It's certainly been a joy and a pleasure and, uh, and an honor to be here. So uh, thanks for the opportunity. Um, engage, right? Like um, our lives and as a parting, anything I have to say would just be to engage. You know, we, we don't know mm -hmm. what it's all going to look like, uh, but it can also turn out, our lives can turn out far better than we ever imagined if we let it. Um, and so I think that's a big <laughs> caveat, right? Uh, if we let it. And so, um, you know, we're not bound by, by any limitations other than our own. So, uh, you know, and sometimes that can be uncomfortable, but uh, I it, connect yeah. with me on LinkedIn. It's the easiest way. Um, and it's, just, it's the simplest way just to connect with me on LinkedIn and connect and send me a direct message. Uh, you can also go to my website, alwaysadventurelife.com. That's uh, alwaysadventurelife.com or andywayofficial.com. And, uh, and, you know, happy to have a conversation with anybody listening and, and you can go from there. Awesome. Well, Andy, until, until next time then. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. Thank you.